everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church. This past Sunday, Pastor Lloyd Biddle talked about racism and privilege and shared some of his experiences as an African-American male. At the end of the service, we had an Ask Me Anything time with him and Pastor Nick Gibson, where they answered lots of questions on these topics. This is part two of their continued conversation from the AMA, so we recommend you listen to part one first if you haven't already. As always, if you have any questions from listening to this episode, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. We'd love to have you join us for future AMA times on Sundays at 9 a.m. at highpointchurch.org slash live. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, this is Nick Gibson again with the Engage and Equip podcast. This is episode two of the Ask Me Anything from June 14th. I'm here with Lloyd. We're um, answering some questions that were asked. Um, one of the ones we were just ending up on was the difference between cultural differences and racism. And Lloyd was summarizing that he he was saying something like this, and you can correct me, Lloyd, if this is not a good mm-hmm, Go ahead. He was saying that, um, yes, there are cultural differences mm-hmm. between black people and white people. Um, some are true differences. Um, some are, are stereotypical differences that are not endemic to black culture or fundamental to black culture. They're just things you observe with black people sometimes. Um, and so you kind of have to go case by case and say, is this really part of black culture or not? If it is part of black culture, is it good or bad? Right. And kind of work your way through that. Um, but Lloyd, you would say that it's possible. It's possible and, and sometimes kind of likely for for white folks or maybe black folks too, to be like, you know, I'm not racist. I just believe that like, I don't want to be around that culture. And so I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to deal with that. Let me, let that, me stop you real quick. That does if, still, if your, if your deal is you don't want to be around a culture, man, that ought to, that ought to, there ought to be some things in the back of your mind that are alarms that are going on. And you ought to be saying to yourself, well, well, what, 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 what do you, what do you mean? And the reason I say that is because if somebody says they don't want to be around black men or whatever, and I'm going to say, man, I got, why don't they want to be around me? And why don't they want to be around my sons? What are the, what are the specific things that we are doing that make you uncomfortable? Uh, Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's what I would, that's what I would say. And so that's why we, we really do, have to uh, carefully tread in in relation to that. Uh, yeah, because there, there are also multiple black cultures. Because, like for example, I would say mm-hmm. I would say this. Here's a culture I don't want. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say I kind of don't want my daughters okay. to be around frat culture. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. There's, now, a, there's a thing called frat culture. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, now there are different frat cultures and different <laughs> fraternities have different subcultures within them. Yeah, that's for sure. But generally as a whole, you don't want to be around I, them. I kind of feel like I don't want my girls around frat culture. Okay. Now All right. there may be some bigotry there. Right. But right. I feel like there's a lot of pathologies okay. in frat culture and okay. it concerns me. You know okay. what I mean? All right. Go ahead. So, so, so how does now this, how I feel does... like now I feel like you can't say that I think it's, I think it's very hard to say that about whole ethnic culture. Yeah, really you know hard, I mean? really hard. But I think that there there are probably some subcultures within white culture. So, for example, my a lot of my cousins. Well, I don't want to be around Confederate flag carrying. Right. What that's not a culture right. that I would want be comfortable with. But I don't right. believe Nick. I don't believe that that's emblematic of white people white people right that i i know that there are certain people for which that's really important to them i would rather not be around those people 
That is not representative of all whites in America. I know this because I know enough people to know that that's a fact. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it was in one of John McCorley's sure. books that some years ago people were were asked how, what percentage of blacks are poor in America. Like what okay, percentage of blacks yeah, like, yeah. live in the ghetto? Okay. And the average answer for white people was about 40%. Okay, go ahead. And for the the average answer for black people was slightly higher. And McCord was like, the actual answer to that question is 18 to 20% is of black support, which is way more than it should be. But it's way less than white and black people think it is. Which is why we need to be careful about how we stereotype people. Because black people could be wrong. The example that I preached on in relation to to, uh, the court system, right? We we might be thinking negative things about ourselves that are not true too <laughs> so, so so yeah so we're not the right. white folks aren't the only ones who might be guilty of thinking inaccurate things about black people oh. black people might be guilty of thinking inaccurate things about black people in terms oh, of I remember using, reading using a, your example using your example go ahead yeah I, I read another survey that it was gauging like how likely are you to distrust a black person when you first meet them yeah you want to yeah. know what racial group distrusted black people the most Go ahead. Go ahead. It was black people. Okay. Statistically. And And I was like, that's crazy. And so then, of course, now we have to put on our theological hats. Right. And we got to begin to ask ourselves, what is going on with the image of God within these people? Right. What's the problem? What's the spiritual theological problem that's going on? And how does Jesus want to heal that? Those are the kinds of questions that we need to ask ourselves that I think are helpful. Yeah, you've got to be like, okay, so how do we make this better? Yes, yes, these yes, are yes. People yes. That God loves and I love. Yes, right? amen. And amen. I think that that's really fundamental. I think one of the, I think one of the fallacies of conservatism, okay, is to say, is to come up with excuses to favor your in group. Yes, because conservatism understands that you have a higher moral obligation to people close to you than further away from you. Yeah. Like that, that you you can't be responsible literally for everybody in the same way at the same time. That's right. So there have to be these concentric circles of connection. Responsibility, yeah. And yeah, and you're you're more responsible for your kid yes. than the kid down the street, right? That's and right. that's true. That's true. In order in order to work that out in your head, right. it's easy to go, okay, so where does my tribe end? You know, everybody wants to end that, yes, that yes, that's responsibility right. somewhere. That's right. And so it's easy to be like, those people are a different kind of people. I don't have responsibility to them. That's right. And I th- I think that's one of the reasons why. I th- I think that conservatism, right, as an outlook, I don't mean as a political outlook, I just right. mean as a general right. outlook, yeah, can be more prone to racism because it's naturally tribal in a good way. It also is more naturally tribal in a bad way. Whereas I think progressivism is more subject to like utopian fallacies, like oh we're gonna the whole <laughs> world is gonna be great through the government, like because they see this universal truth. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all yes, one yes, people. yes. And so then they then they're they're susceptible to like universalist fallacies, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, the state can make this utopia, and you're like, not nah, really, without the tribes and the families and the right. Does that make sense? That's so why I, theology. That's why our God uh, exists way above our, yeah. our politics and our ideology, right? That's why that's why yeah. Christ is way above all of our that thinking. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you have to yeah. you have to understand like what 
what is true about that like yes. family like i yes. like i feel more responsibility to you as part of my local church right yes and maybe someone else who's not part of my local church just cuz god has put us together right. as these sub neighbors within the body of christ right you know what i mean and i think that's right. correct that is but correct but at the same but time i still have a wider obligation that is but that is why of course because christ is universal jesus gives us that analogy right of the samaritans the the jews and the samaritans on that road right there's a person is waylaid on the road and the, the 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 it's a Jewish person who's way late. Uh, the the priest and the, the the good Jews go by and leave him. Somebody, a, a natural enemy though, sees him and goes and helps. And Jesus says, "That's your brother." And so he wants us to understand that people that we normally would view not as our brother or neighbor really are. And so he he is, I think, trying to challenge how we think about what doesn't that doesn't really apply to me. I think a lot of times, even in a, in our cities, in a city like Madison, we will see a thing that we know is wrong, and we'll say, "Well, that doesn't that doesn't that's not affecting me that much. It, um, therefore, I'll just not get involved. You know, I I, I probably could I could do something." about it but you know it's really just not all that important to me I, I would rather kind of ignore it and i think jesus is trying to challenge the way we think about about these things and like you nick i'm you, you and i have a more responsibility towards each other than our friends in uh in rwanda or our missionaries in europe right we're just we're, it's not that we don't have a responsibility there but uh, ours locally is more um, central to us. There's more time that's invested in us, and we need to we need to pay attention to that in a more primary fashion. Yeah. Um, but that, but how, yeah. however, when that brother in Germany uh, contacts me and says that he's in dire straits and needs my help, that doesn't mean I can be like, oh, talk to your brother in Germany. You know what I mean? I can't just wipe my hands, right? I I need to respond. Even though um, they're 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 miles and miles away. Yeah. Yes. That's good. That's good. Helpful. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm starting to read the next well, question because sure. I want to tee back ahead. up. Go again. right ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. So there's a couple questions on the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. As yeah. opposed to so to the Black Lives Matter proposition. Yes. Right? Go ahead. Yeah. So some people have said, "Can I be?" And against racism, yes. but not align myself with the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, let me answer that part. Yes. Yeah. So yes. J.D. Greer, for example, the leader of the Southern Baptists, came out recently and says, Black Lives Matter is a proposition. Absolutely. Yes. Black Lives Matter as an organization funded by the Ford Foundation. Like, no. So I would say whatever, all these organizations, I think they have local, there's like local chapters as I understand it. As mm -hmm. I understand it. I'm not a member of the movement. As I understand it, there's local chapters. And they have websites. And they they are proud to tell you what they advocate for. Mm -hmm. There might be certain Black Lives Matter chapters where everything they advocate for doesn't violate your, your principles or Christian worldview. It's possible that there could be a, a, a movement somewhere that does not violate, but, it, but where they do, no. That, no. No guilt. Don't be concerned about that. Do the research. Find out what they believe in what they stand for and make your choice without guilt. 
Yeah, I think that's helpful. Um, I so, so I, I, this is a comment I, uh, an African American leader said to me this week. Okay, you can tell me if you agree okay. with that. Okay. The, the person said, "Listen, the, the Black Lives Matter leader, the Freedom Inc. leader, who are very you know they're very radical. Yeah. Politically speaking, okay. He, he said those folks. Okay. Who actually don't represent the rank and file of the black citizen in Dade County. Black people tend to be a fairly conservative group of people, not in the political sense, right. but in the family is a big deal. Um, LGBT rights aren't the same thing as non-racism. That's why like, you need to. That's why you need to go out to their websites, Nick, yeah, and look at what it is they advocate for. Then you go into Mount Zion Baptist Church or whatever. I'm just using an example, and you hear Marcus preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you know some people that go there, and very quickly you can tell the difference. <laughs> very quickly you can tell the difference between what a non-Christian organization's agenda is, yeah. and what a pillar of the African American Christian Church is, and their opinions are. And yeah. my experience has been personally that they're different; that the agendas are are different. That, mm-hmm. but it is worth going out to the websites to look and it is worth uh, I think visiting and experiencing it uh, for, for yourself so that yeah. you can make your so that you can make your own decisions I have an editorial comment here that I'm interested in sure agree. go ahead I think this is one of the reasons why it is so important for the white church to stand behind people like Marcus Allen okay and these sorts of folks because these more radical groups like Freedom Inc yeah are going to have the secular, like university young person, like people behind them. It's like, yeah, let's do the blah, blah, blah. And let's like, whereas the more Mm -hmm. moderate black leaders can easily get marginalized by them because moderate black leaders still hold to the ethic. You don't criticize other black leaders in public. You don't humiliate other black leaders in public. The radical younger black leaders do not hold to that ethic. They will criticize, they'll attack Michael Johnson openly and Mm -hmm. say, he's not for our youth. When mm-hmm. Michael Johnson just isn't for all of the political stuff Freedom Inc. is for, yeah. right? And so yeah. if, if people like us don't support right. people like Marcus Allen and people right. like Henry Sanders, then they're going to get trashed. Um, so some of that some of that, what you speak of is going on. Uh, uh, there's, there's new uh, leadership within the African-American community. Um with different values, right? And they're all sorting it out. And so uh, Michael Johnson is having conversations with folks who may have different views than he does. And, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. What, what I, as one op- African-American observer of it, um, what I am seeing is some of the more, uh, you use the term moderate folks, they're, they're def- they're able to def- defend themselves, and um, a- and they appropriately should to a- to a certain level. Uh, and this the the debate, the back and forth, a discussion is probably helpful for for all sides because um, the the ideas the ideas are pushing up against each other, and we're you know how radical sh- ought we to be. And yeah. what, when did you go too far? And so there's these conversations going back and forth, and some of them, the gospel is infused in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the hope is that we as the church 
as we interface with these different worldviews, will represent Christ well. Whether we get persecuted or not is, is not the issue. Whether we are faithful to him is the issue. We need to be faithful to the truth um, like, like the first century saints, right? Who were faithful and, and took all kinds of persecution for the sake of Christ. And um, where, where this, this back and forth is going on, um, those who know Christ should stand for him. And then we should continue to be, to be praying for peace and understanding in general. We, sh- we should expect that we will not agree with the, with the views of the general society when it comes from a non-Christian perspective. We should expect that, and that shouldn't surprise us. Yeah. That shouldn't surprise us that's, that non-Christians think about these things differently, right? Yeah. So the, the question we should ask is, well, now, how do we interface with them? That, that's a good question. The question is, how, I mean, how do I... How do I try to live at peace with these different movements? That's a that's a that's a good question, Nick. I mean, maybe we should talk about that. I mean, how to how to do that? How to coexist in the same community sometimes at the same meetings? And I think that's with honest dialogue, with with uh, uh, rep- representing Christ well, not letting people lie on you, uh, accuse you of things that's not true. Um, um, not being overwhelmed, not not letting them overwhelm you with with whatever accusations they might make, not allowing them you to to hate them because sinners have sinned against you. Right? We need to just be. We need to be like Jesus as best as we can. That can be that can be difficult. That can be challenging. We need to have fellowship with each other as we do it. I hope that's. I, th- I hope that's helpful. To people, look at the values, support what makes sense, and don't support what doesn't. No guilt. Yeah. No guilt. Okay. So why don't we? We're, we're trying to not do this all day. So why don't we just do two more quick? I'll just give you the cool answer, and then that will that'll be it. That'd be great. Okay. So um, both of these, I think, are slightly impertinent questions. Yeah. One. Sorry for the bluntness about this, but I honestly feel it's important. What about those who are referred to as quote white? trash trailer park people close quote how should they reconcile their position and experience when being asked to admit their privilege i think i think what i'm trying to um as i as i have 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 been thinking about this this whole idea of privilege what i'm saying to you is that in america all else equal right a white poor person and a black poor person, the white poor person has more privilege. And I know, I know it's a tough word and difficult to grasp with, but I'm yeah. just, what I'm just trying to say to you in the, the value of that person in the eyes of society, how they are treated is different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I That's think the key a, phrase there that you, yeah. you use this in your sermon, you said yeah. all else being equal. All else being equal. So that if I mean, you take a person and this has a certain value. All else being equal. So very poor white people and very poor black people. I mean, so Nick, um, within my within my city where I'm from, Chicago, the comparison would be people that l- used to live in these skyscrapers that were projects. That's what we called them. Mm-hmm. There was these, man, 50, 60 story high all of the light bulbs broken, 
all crime, gang infested, and people couldn't get out of there because they didn't have enough income and uh, th- there was uh, welfare and all that. Uh, what I'm saying to you is this. <laughs> when you compare that African, that person to the person over there, I, I, the, the privilege argument is that there's still more privilege to being white in America and poor than black and poor. That's all. That's 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 their argument. You can you can accept it or not. That's okay. But yeah, and, and yeah, you, you could still quibble that on a case yeah. by case basis. Yes, you right? could. You could. Saying, sure, you could. Generally you could. speaking, across the board. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's what I would yeah. say. Because I mean, you're not saying that if you took black person A and white person B, right? That you, it, it's not possible to have a white person no. who suffered more trauma. No, you're just saying no. as a whole, there's this, there's this like finger on the scale, right? And it makes a difference. You said right. in the AMA, it wasn't decisive. You were like, I was still able to be successful in America. Right. But it's still a thing. It's there. It has to be taken into account. Black people have to figure it into how they lead their lives. If you were an, Egyp- an Egyptian servant girl serving Pharaoh's daughter, your status would have been higher than the Jews suffering under oppression, uh, making buildings without straw. Mm-hmm. But you could... The, the, there were per, poor Egyptian servants, but they were better. They had more status and power than the Jewish slaves. They were poor, but that's the that's the best. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to help people kind of understand that yeah. that issue. Okay, I I know you want to, you have sure. something. Yeah, let, let me get this last one. Okay, yeah. Without minimizing the experience of the African American community in America, yeah, I'd like your perspective on why other minority and immigrant groups who are not part of the privileged class Go ahead. tend to do so well in America. So like, this is a question of like, yeah. why do Vietnamese immigrants in the Oakland school district? Yeah. Do great. You know, why do African immigrants do better than the average American, even though they're as black as an African American? So why is it that these, there's these other disparate groups when you look at them as subgroups, they don't have white privilege, but they do really well. In fact, white people are third or fourth in the highest incomes in America. Indian Americans, Korean Americans, and Chinese Americans all on average make more than white Americans. So, so, so some white people feel like, look, if white privilege was fundamental just from whiteness, then why do all these other groups do great? Why do black people from other countries who move here do great? Right? I think, and, and like, you could see why somebody would ask that. What do you think about that argument? Um, why is it that as we have talked about either in this broadcast or the previous one, mm-hmm. the, there are studies that show that African-American people think uh, less of themselves than maybe other people do. You know, mm-hmm. why? Why you know why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, is it the history of African American people in America? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it related to the fact that? Um, most civil rights gains 
for America voting rights, opportunities for education really took off in America after 1964. And even though America, even though African-Americans had been in the country for 400 years, mm -hmm. uh, does anything have, any, does anything from that history of uh, slavery, discrimination, racism, segregation, outright hatred, lynching, does any of that have an effect on the, the psyche of, of African-American people today? Um, these are, these are really difficult, these are really difficult questions to, to, to ponder and to really sort through. These are really difficult questions to ponder and to sort through. I, I, so I don't, I don't have an, an outstanding, uh, answer, um, to, to, to the question that the person, uh, posed, uh, what my response though, in, in relation to the challenges that we see in the African-American community is to say, what can I do to be a solution? And I, what I think, I think what I can do to be a solution is to look for ways to be of, of a transformative helper. And I have found by experience that the best way to do that is to go into it with a, with a heart of compassion. Um, because I have, I have a lot of privilege now in comparison to the average, um, african-american in madison who might be below the p poverty line and so forth i don't i haven't lived in that kind of difficulty in 35 maybe 40 years but so i have but i there's some things i have some knowledge i have there's some time that i have there's some some prayers that i have there's an empathy that i have because i have I remember being poor and black in inner city America. There's some empathy that I have. And, and I, I just want to, I just want to, I want to help. And so when I see a poor Latino person or a poor person period, and, I, and they're struggling, um, my, my first um, response really is, okay, man, what, what can I do to, to alleviate that? Is there anything I can do to be of help for that? Right. My first response isn't, how did they do this to themselves? Mm -hmm. That's right. the best I yeah, can give I, you. Yeah, I think that, I think that one of the, I, there, I think there's two, two reasons why people can ask this question. Yeah. One is dismissive and yeah. one is engaging. So yeah. on one level you could say, hey, listen, if Nigerian immigrants do better than African Americans, mm -hmm. it's clearly not about color, so quit whining. Okay. Right? So that's one way to look at it. Yeah. Another way to look at it, which I think is a much better way to look at it, if uh -huh. true, yep. is to say, okay, if I'm looking at a group that's struggling, mm -hmm. right? So that's not all African-Americans. Right. There's a particular that's subset right. of African-Americans that right. we could call the African-American underclass in America, just like there's sure, a white sure, underclass, sure, right? Sure. Yep, yep. You say, okay, what's going on there? Yeah. Is it yeah. that these are the people who don't have enough upward thrust to overcome the downward oppression that other blacks have overcome? Or yeah. Ha or is there some kind of pathology going on in their life yeah. that keeps them from succeeding? Now, right. or is it some know? kind of, or is there some combination of things? Right, man? right. Is there some combination of things going on? Right, and and even if there is a pathology, that pathology could have come from a former oppression, like you were saying. Right. Like you know, there's a whole history of things going right. on with African Americans. That's right. Like th these That's may have. Right. Produce pathologies, but then from a treatment right. perspective, you right, say, okay, right, right. but yeah. if what this, what if, if there's a kid named Eric and he's struggling, right? right? 
and I identify that there is pressure coming to him from someone else that is oppressive, yeah. the right action is to go to that other person and stop their oppressive behavior so that Eric can rise. But if I find that because of other oppression to his mother or parents or whatever, something has been produced in Eric that is a pathology in him, yeah. then I need to do something therapeutic to help Eric overcome that pathology because it, that's what he needs for healing. So John McWhorter, for example, talks about how in the 1970s, in, in many integrations in northern cities, um, black people were coming into schools, mostly white teachers, and there was quite a bit of racism towards black students. Yeah. That He said, I think that affected a whole generation of parents who are now parenting African-American students, and that the, the – he feels like the studies are clear enough that there's a kind of anti-school feel among some mm -hmm. groups of black students. He's like, I think that came from their parents actually being treated like they weren't good students, which led to their parents having an attitude that was more anti-intellectual. I don't take my value from you validating me, which led to an increasing anti-intellectualism among some mm -hmm. groups of black youth within the black underclass. He's mm -hmm. like, what we need to do now mm -hmm. is – a, we need to make sure there's not oppression. We need to make sure teachers are mm -hmm. treating black students as learners. Mm -hmm. But then we also have to deal with the psychological pathology mm -hmm. and tell our black youth, you're a scholar. Mm -hmm. Like, which is, I mean, um, 100 mm -hmm. black men have done this. Just like, mm -hmm. show young black youth examples of black successful people and black right. scholars and black right. educated people. Right. So the black community itself is dealing with both oppression and pathology. That's yeah. not like in their behavior and actions. Right. right. But I think that the the sensitivity is black people don't want white people to be like, see, it's all pathologies. Shut up. Who cares? Like, there's a callous. I think that I think that I think right. that it's naive to think. That every when you look at the history of African Americans in America, the long history of racism and oppression that took that took um, sweeping legal reform to start to address, in terms of giving uh, making practical the right to vote, making practical some form of equal education and quality in terms of our public system, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's probably naive to think that all that happened to this group of people is now irrelevant in terms of how how that, that group of people is functioning in the country right now. Mm -hmm. I, that, that, that seems to, that kind of thinking, I, I don't, I, I, right. it, 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 it seems reasonable that the historic injustices have some effect in the current day, but I would right. also say it doesn't. It right. doesn't explain the full. It doesn't explain everything. Uh, now, as a practical perspective, for me as an African American, my thought is, man, what can I? What can I do to help? And I, I just know that I got to have specific relationships, one on one with people. I do know that the gospel makes a huge difference in terms of changing people's self-esteem as well as giving them an, a, an ethic of morality that, that is true righteousness and goodness that will bring human flourishing mm -hmm. to anybody, any group of people right. who aligns themselves with Jesus. I do know that. And so yeah. I try to work in areas that, that bring that truth to bear uh, to, to people who are, who are doing poorly, who are struggling, people who are struggling. Yeah. All right, Lloyd, I know you got to go. I, yep. I do want to give you the opportunity to answer this because I said I would before. Sure. Um, some of the people who just looked at the feed of questions, 
mm-hmm. I just felt kind of discouraged that they're just like not very sensitive. They're mm-hmm. not very woke. They're not, yeah. I mean, I don't mean that yeah. woke in the pejorative sense. I just mean yeah. literally like they don't seem to have gone through some of the processes that other people have feel like they've been forced into or faced. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who like, you know, is like biracial or African-American or like just who, and who looked at that feed of questions and they're like, Oh my gosh, what kind of church am I a part of? Well, we know that we live, we were in, we were in Wisconsin where in our County, there are not a whole lot of people of color. And once you move to rural areas, even less so. So we, we, you know, um, uh, Anglos in this state, many, in many cases, if they haven't been in Green Bay or Madison or Milwaukee in particular, they just have not interacted much with people of color at all. And so there's a learning, they're learning some things. They're learning some things and therefore, uh, therefore people like me who've been dealing with the ramifications of, of being in communities where there's lots of people bumping up against each other of all kinds of nationalities and have to work through the difficulties of that, 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 that there are, there are many folks that have not. And so some of the things that I just have learned by experience with the gospel and life, they, they're just now beginning to pick up on. And so we have to have patience. So that's what I would say is that we gotta, gotta have patience, gotta hang in there. That's how we can love them and how they can love us are the things that I preached about today. So check out my sermon if you didn't. I gave some, I gave some suggestions about how if you're in the majority group you could how you could love the people in the minorities. Um, so yeah, so take a look at it. Good. Take a well, listen. Thanks for thanks for um, taking that sermon um, and for doing these two podcasts. Yeah. Hopefully this will give people good access to some of your thinking on this. Um, I do know that for those of you who who ask a lot of these questions and have lots more. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's hard to find a sympathetic answer sometimes because yeah. it, it feels like you're not allowed to ask certain That's questions. Right. Those That's of you right. are like, man, these questions are just, they're not, they're so insensitive. They're so, they're re-traumatizing. They're, they're, they're hurting right. people. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. They yeah. are, they yeah. are hurting some people's yeah. feelings. And yeah. yet going through these conversations is also part of the cost of long-term unity. And so yeah. we have to do our best on both sides of this. So if, if yeah. you're asking a question, try to be as, earnest but also as honest and yet still careful yeah. in how you ask it and then we need to grow in our ability to forgive and also to to try to learn to take less offense at yeah. things yeah. i mean lloyd's lloyd's example of, of of joseph i think is a really good one one of the marks of joseph's godliness is during the famine potiphar and his wife end up in front of him and he could destroy them yeah and he gives them grain yeah you know and That's that right. that bigness of character is is a great thing. And I, Lord, I, I just feel yeah. like you, you have um, displayed that a lot, but both to just today, like, you know, at this moment, but I, I feel like you've displayed it a lot over the last 12 to 15 years, you've been at high point. So I really, I just want to appreciate you on behalf of a lot of people listening to this. And there were a number of comments that said that too. We appreciate so much what Lloyd is saying. This is so great. Lloyd's talking. Lloyd is, I love how he's addressing these issues. So there was a, there's a lot of appreciation, Lloyd. I hope that you feel encouraged by that. Uh, praise the Lord. Thank you. All right, guys, we'll see you next time on the Engaged Equip Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip Podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. 
You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.